What are we waiting for? Are you all ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Are you ready to be set free this Christmas? Say that again. Yes, you're ready? All right. Now how come the rest of you aren't ready like Oliver? Well, we have been looking at um, this first chapter of Luke throughout Advent. We have, um, we've, we've seen the angel Gabriel, right, come to Zechariah um, to tell him that God was doing something new. We've seen the, the angel Gabriel uh, come to Mary and invite her to participate in what he's doing. We have seen a dialogue and, and this uh, encounter between uh, Mary and Elizabeth in which they celebrate this great uh, reversal that God is bringing about in this new thing that he is doing. And, and we're going to continue with uh, this story in Luke today, uh, but um, sometimes I, I think we're so familiar with this story um, that we, uh, we, don't, we fail to grasp it in the context of which it was being shared. I mean, do you realize that so far in the story, there are only three people who know that God is doing something new? Have you ever thought about that? Right? Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth and Mary. I mean, according to Luke's story, Joseph doesn't even know yet because as soon as the angel appeared to her and she heard the message from the angel, she rushed off to be with her relative Elizabeth and she has been with Elizabeth, as we'll learn in our story this day, she's been with Elizabeth for six months. She stays with Elizabeth uh, right until up to the time she's ready to give birth to her child. And so there are only three people who know what's going on. And today, we're going to uh, go back and we're going to um, hear this story of Zachariah and Elizabeth and the birth of their child. The last time, if you remember, the last time that we encountered Zachariah, where was he? Does anybody remember? Nobody remembers? Nobody was here? <laughs> you do? You remember where he was? You don't, okay. At least you're honest. <laughs> Where did Gabriel meet Zachariah? Okay, there we go. Y'all shouldn't be so shy. You're like the first Sunday I was here. You remember the first Sunday I did the kids' church and I asked them who God was and what they knew about God and they just kind of looked at me like, we never heard that name before. <laughs> Zachariah was in the temple, wasn't he? He was doing his priestly duty. Um, uh, Gabriel came to him and, and said, um, God's answering your prayer. Um, he's answering this prayer that you and Elizabeth have had for a child. Um, even though that she was beyond childbearing age, she would no longer be barren. But the angel said, uh, God's doing more than that. He's answering your prayer for Israel. And, and, you know, we need to be reminded, um, Israel had returned from exile 
um, in 530 BC, if I remember right. Um, the temple was rebuilt in 520, something like that. Um, and um, they had anticipated when that would happen, they, they had anticipated that in some way they would return to the days of David, and they hadn't done that yet. And in fact, uh, uh, the temple had been ransacked again and restored once again um, in their days, but um, they were still waiting for the good old days. Does that sound familiar? They were still waiting for the good old... Oftentimes when we find ourselves in the midst of, uh, of difficult times and we look around in the world and we think the world is falling apart and we feel oppressed and, and beaten down and we look at all the hatred in the world, oftentimes we think the answer is the good old days, right? Isn't that what we think? If we just return to those good old days, kind of like the Israelites, right, in the wilderness... When they got hungry, they wanted to return to the good old days when they were enslaved by Pharaoh. Somehow the good old days get changed and transformed in our minds. Well, we're going to learn more about um, this coming, this new thing that God is doing today as we read from Luke chapter 1. We're going to be back with Zechariah and Elizabeth, but this time instead of in Jerusalem in the temple, we're going to be in their house in the Judean hills where Elizabeth and um, Mary had been. And so I invite you to um, hear this afresh and anew, beginning in verse 57 of chapter 1. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child... She gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. And so on the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zachariah because that was his father's name. But his not mother replied, no, nope. his name will be John. And they said to her, none of your relatives have that name. Then they began to gesture to his father uh, to see what he wanted to call him. Now, I forgot to mention, what else happened to Zechariah in the temple? He couldn't talk, right? Zechariah's been mute for nine months. Lord, help me, what would I do? I don't know about you all, um, that would be real punishment. But he had been mute for um, nine months, and so apparently he still hadn't spoken. And, and so the people, they, they gestured to him to see what he wanted to call this child. And, and after asking for a tablet, um, he surprised everyone by writing, his name is John. That's what the angel Gabriel had told him, that the name of his child should be, Right? And at that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, and he began praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard about this considered it carefully, and they said, What then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with Zechariah. 
And John's father, Zechariah, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to prophesy. And these are the first words out of his mouth after nine months of not being able to speak. And he says, Blessed the Lord God of Israel because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised a mighty Savior for us in his servant David's house just as he said through the, months, through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. He has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant, the solemn pledge he made to our ancestor Abraham. He has granted that we would be rescued from the power of our enemies so that we could serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness in God's eyes for as long as we live. You, child, this is Zechariah now speaking to uh, his child that was just born. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His way. You will tell his people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us to give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide us on the path of peace. These are the words that came out of Zechariah's mouth after nine months of silence. May we hear them as the Word of God and respond to them this day. God has come to save us and deliver us. Whatever else might be going on in this passage, and as this unfolds, we are told over and over again that whatever God is doing in this birth of this child to Zechariah and Elizabeth and of this birth to this child to Mary, that God has come to save and rescue. God has come to deliver his people. He's raised up a mighty Savior to save them from their enemies so that they can serve God. Now what does it mean to say that God has come to deliver and to save His people? It's easy for us to think about this salvation and this rescue as I'm sure that some, uh, even Zechariah and Elizabeth, even Mary, as they grappled with what does this mean to say that God is coming uh, to save His people? What would have been on their mind is something similar to the Exodus, don't you think? That God had come to deliver them from the oppression of the Roman armies. That God had come to, to, set, them up, to set them free so that they could go forward and, and they could once again be a nation of their own and, and rule themselves and, and they would have a king like David. Don't you think that that was certainly in their minds and their anticipation of what God was doing? And yet, if we pay attention to what Zechariah says, we discover that um, there is more going on here than just some kind of political revolution. 
some political changing of the powers. No longer will Rome be in charge, but the people of Israel or the people of God will be in charge. There's more going on than just a shift in political power. And so John or, or Zechariah goes on to uh, describe exactly what John's role will be. And this is where we, we get this hint that there's more here than just some political uh, change that is going to happen. He says, our child John will be a, a prophet. And he will tell the people how to be saved. Through forgiveness of sins. Wait a second. Through forgiveness of sins? I mean, don't you think they anticipated uh, that um, John was going to come and he was going to get the people ready for the coming uh, of this Savior or this King or this Rescuer, that, that he was going to get them ready by telling them to take up arms and to get ready to overthrow the Romans? I mean, isn't that the way that we're supposed to take back the world for God? Well, maybe not. It says that John would tell the people how to be saved through forgiveness of their sins. How often is it that when we look around and we see how bad the world is and we see what's going on, we think that we need to be delivered from our circumstances or our situations. We need to be delivered from something out there. Right? And yet, this seems to indicate that there's something within us that we need to be delivered from. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, it says that um, a messenger will come from God in this age of salvation. A messenger will come from God, and he will speak about the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap. He'll talk about people being refined and cleansed. And of course, if we're familiar with John the Baptist's message later in chapter Luke, or in chapter three of Luke, he begins to talk about people needing to repent and change their ways. See, it seems that, in other words, if we're going to get ready and prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ, it begins by looking at ourselves as individuals and ourselves as a community of God's people. This new thing that God is doing is that He's going to, to call and shape a people. He is going to free a people not just from their external bondage, but from our internal bondage. He's doing much more than setting people free from some political things. He is setting us free from those things which bind us up. He is setting us free from those things that we have allowed to come between us and God. He is setting us free from our pride 
and our greed and our envy. He is setting us free from, from these false selves that we create uh, where, we, where we think that that's the way to exist in the world. God has come to set people free, not just from the Roman government, but to give them a freedom that will allow them, despite their circumstances, to be the people God intended them to be, to be the community that God intended them to be, to be a people who live and love like Jesus, to be a community who demonstrates the love of God. To be a community that instead of, of looking at the world and telling them they need to get their act together, a community that demonstrates what it looks like to live according to God's ways. And so the prophet John is coming to prepare the way by challenging people to receive forgiveness and to repent so that their ways might be changed and they will truly be ready for the message and the ways of Jesus. John comes and says that the one that he is preparing the way for will teach us to walk in the paths of peace. So just in case we weren't certain about whether this was going to be a political revolution or a military revolution, he, he, it is made clear here that the ways of Jesus are not going to be the ways of the world. That the means itself, or that the end itself is not uh, just the, the only thing that's important, but the means are important also. And Jesus and God, they will act consistent with their being and their call. And so we, we listen closely to this passage today, even though I, I'm sure that the people of Jesus' days, Luke takes the rest of his, of his uh, gospel to unfold just what it is that God was trying to get across in Jesus and his teaching. That this rescue. And this salvation that is underway is much broader than just a military overthrow or a political overthrow or just empowering a certain number of people. It is about turning the world right side up again. So that people might be freed from that which binds them and might be freed to live in the way God intended us to live. So we are not just freed from that which binds us, but we are freed and set free to worship and serve God in holiness and righteousness. In other words, we are enabled to live and to love like Jesus 
regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, regardless of whatever chaos and whatever else might be going on in the world, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are free to live and to love like Jesus each and every day. And only we can take that freedom away from ourselves by allowing barriers to stand between us and God. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Jesus comes afresh and anew into our lives this day to set us free. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the coming of Christ? Are you ready to let loose of that which binds you so that the Spirit might set you free? Are you ready for the coming of Christ and for the Spirit that will enable us as individuals and as a community to demonstrate God's love and grace in the world. And instead of asking God to change our circumstances and our situation, that we might begin to demonstrate for the world this better way that Jesus came to proclaim and still proclaims this day. Let us prepare ourselves for the coming of Christ. Let us release that which binds us so we may be set free. Let us receive that Spirit which empowers us and sets us free and enables us not to just talk about joy and peace and love, but enables us to demonstrate and to be those things for a hurting and broken world. Christ is coming. Christ is here. May we be ready to receive Him this day. Amen.